Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job. They'll do a great job for you. You can get in touch with them by going to the website, golf, uh, to uh, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Uh, also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, will be joining us now, I think, in the fifth week of the legislative session. We'll visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Les Government. And my wife, Linda, author of Greetings from Paradise, will be joining us as well. It is March the 30th, and on this day in 1867, U.S. Secretary of State William H. Seward signed a treaty with Russia for the purchase of Alaska for $7 million. I'm not kidding, $7 million. Despite the bargain price of roughly $0.02 cents an acre, the Alaskan purchase was ridiculed in Congress and the press as Seward's Folly, Seward's Icebox, and President Andrew Johnson's Polar Bear Garden. Into it, another indigenous peoples had inhabited Alaska for thousands of years before the Tsarist government of Russia established a presence there around the mid-18th century. Russia first approached the United States about selling the territory during the administration of James Buchanan, but negotiations were stalled by the outbreak of the Civil War. After 1865, Seward, a supporter of territorial expansion, was eager to acquire the tremendous landmass of Alaska and roughly uh, one-fifth of the size of the rest of the United States. He had some difficulty, however, making the case for the purchase of Alaska before the Senate, which ratified the treaty in, on April the 9th, 1867. Six months later, Alaska was formally handed over uh, from the Russia to the United States. Despite a slow start in the U.S. settlement, the discovery of gold in 1898 brought a rapid influx of people to the territory, and Alaska, rich in natural resources, has contributed to the American prosperity ever since, and boy has it. You can imagine that, two cents an acre, $7 million, and ridiculed at the time. Also on this day in 1981, President Ronald Reagan was shot in the chest outside a Washington, D.C. hotel by a deranged drifter named John Hinckley Jr. The president had just finished addressing a labor meeting at the Washington Hilton Hotel and was walking with his entourage to his limousine when Hinckley, standing among a group of reporters, fired six shots at the president, hitting Reagan and three of his attendants. White House Press Secretary James Brady was shot in the head and critically wounded, Secret, uh, Secret Service Service Agent Tim McCarthy was shot in the side, and District of Columbia Policeman Tom Delahanty was shot in the neck. After firing the shots, Hinckley was overpowered and pinned against the wall, and President Reagan, apparently unaware that he'd been shot, was shoved into the limousine by a Secret Service agent and rushed to the hospital. The President was shot in the left lung, and the twenty-two caliber bullet just missed his heart. An impressive feat for a 70-year-old man with a collapsed lung. He walked into George Washington University Hospital under his own power. After he was treated and prepared for surgery, he was in good spirits and quipped to his wife, Nancy, Honey, I forgot to duck. And to his surgeons, please tell me you're Republicans. 
Reagan's surgery lasted two hours, and he was listed as stable and in good condition afterwards. Right now, this Hinkley guy is uh, running around. Uh, he's out of jail, and uh, I think he's uh, uh, limited to a certain area within Pennsylvania, but irrespective, uh, still considered deranged. Well, former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows said Tony Fauci, Dr. Tony Fauci's claims, he was trying to preserve mass supply in early stages are false. In those uh, task meetings early on, Dr. Fauci said masks don't work. Uh, Meadows said that he told the team of doctors in April 2020 if, if masks really work, he would recommend a mask mandate to the president in order to reopen the economy. And they said, oh, no, 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 that will not mitigate it, Meadows said. Masks don't work. Fauci said that way back before this pan as the pandemic began. I've been told by credible sources also, uh, quote-unquote, uh, a mask is like building a, a, a chain-link fence in order to keep mosquitoes out, and we're all masked up. Well, Florida uh, Governor Ron DeSantis said in a press conference on Monday he will be taking emergency executive action shortly against the concept of Americans needing a vaccine passport to be able to travel domestically and internationally. We're not supportive of that, he said. I think it's uh, something that people have a certain freedoms and individual liberties to make decisions for themselves. Thank you, Governor. So refreshing to hear that from our governor. Uh, it's completely unacceptable for either the government or private sector to impose upon you the requirement that you show proof of vaccine just to simply be able to participate in normal society. He said that people shouldn't need to show proof of inoculation against the Chinese Communist Party virus uh, <clears throat> to go to a game, a movie, theme park, or other social events. You want the fox to guard the hen house? I mean, give me a break. He said, I understand kind of how some folks can embrace the idea, and I'm not saying it's all necessarily done for bad purposes, but I think ultimately it would create problems in the state. He also urged the state legislature to take more permanent action. The Biden administration will provide guidance on private sector efforts to develop vaccine passports and similar systems. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki told reporters in Washington on Monday Earlier this month, DeSantis had already expressed his disapproval of the idea, saying it was totally off the table. The vaccine passport is a terrible idea. We are definitely not going to require anything from the state's perspective. This is totally off the table, we said to reporters on March 18th. If I have business that we want to do in Florida, I think that's more ju than just a private decision. Uh, former Clinton advisor Naomi Wolf uh, said that mandatory COVID-19 va vaccine passports would be the end of human liberty in the West if the plan unfolds as planned. Couldn't agree more. Thank you, Governor, for, for taking that stand. Also, last week, uh, the Governor criticized the Center for Disease Control for announcing last week that a no-sale order on cruise ships would remain until November the 1st. On March the 26th, the Governor sat down with officials to discuss the importance of the industry, calling the order baseless. During the meeting, DeSantis asked the uh, CDC to reverse the no-sale order that had been in place since March the 14th. If there's one thing we've learned over the past year, it's that lockdowns don't work, and Floridians deserve the right to earn a living, he said. The cruise industry is essential to our state's economy, and keeping it shut down until November 
would be devastating to the men and women who rely on the cruise lines to provide for themselves and their families. I urge the CDC to immediately rescind this baseless no-sale order to allow Floridians in this uh, industry to get back to work. Hey, and how about some of us being able to go on cruises? That'd be nice, too. People, we can make our own decisions. We can decide if, in fact, we want to take the quote-unquote risk to get on a cruise ship. And we could take precautions while we're there as well. Just my opinion. So when Texas Governor Greg Abbott ended the lockdown restrictions on businesses earlier this month, it was with a certain swagger. He said, I announced that Texas is open 100%. And he announced everything he said. President Biden was dismissive and snarky at the news, accusing Abbott of Neanderthal thinking and making a big mistake. A commentator in the New York Times said he has his only problem with Biden's comments was that they were very insulting to Neanderthals. Aha, uh-huh, that's pretty clever. Well, it's been 17 days since Texas reopened and COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations continue to see a downward trend. On Saturday, Texas' seven-day COVID positivity rate reached an all-time low, with hospitalizations have fallen to their lowest level since October. Of course, nothing's definitive and uh, final when it comes to COVID-19, but it seems that so far, this Neanderthal thinking has turned out uh, pretty well. New York City Council took the latest step to dismantle the police force this week when it voted to strip the New York Police Department of qualified immunity, which shields officers from financial liability if the rights of suspects are infringed. They've always been subject to disciplinary action for the violation of constitutional rights, but this is beyond the pale. Yes, we understand and hate the abuse of uh, police tactics are still far too common in America, but ending qualified immunity in New York at this time makes uh, when murder and crime rates are soaring could be catastrophic. So what this is going to do is going to inhibit, I think, uh, police activity. Alan Dershowitz said, a Harvard law professor with a liberal pedigree, noted the hypocrisy. Remember, prosecutors have it, qualified immunity. Judges have it. Many other public officials have it. Police are the lowest paid people of everybody in the chain. These protections should start at the top of the political food chain, not the bottom, according to uh, Professor Dershowitz. Couldn't agree more. Well, constant theme in the news has been the meltdown of a blue state America. Progressive, progressivism is inciting a continual out-migration from blue states to red states at a, a pace of thousands per day. Although the official census tallies from last year are still not finalized, right now it appears that seven or eight seats will change hands from one state to another. The big winner, once again, will be Texas, with a gain of three seats. Florida could gain two or more seats. Other states could gain seats, including North Carolina, Arizona, Colorado, Montana, and even Oregon, which is a, is a blue state. New York, will again, will be the big loser with its expected loss of two seats. Amazingly, for the first time ever, California, which has previously seen a massive population gain, could lose House seats and electoral votes because they've uh, really screwed up California pretty badly. It's a shame. Progressivism has been a death sentence for states, so why do we take uh, these failed policies nationally, which is what we're doing right now, makes no sense. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning Naples, longest established air conditioning company. Visit 
johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs, among other things, to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. Right now we have with us Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. I know you were about halfway through the session up there, and uh, you're in charge of the rules committee, so <laughs> you got a lot going on. How's everything going? I do. I do. You know, it's... Um because we don't have a whole lot of visitors in the Capitol, it's very quiet from that perspective. But, um, you know, that we still are um, managing tons of bills. And um, it seems like every day there's a new, uh, a new issue that crops up. Yesterday, uh, the issue was on uh, data privacy bill and, you know, how that's going to look. And a lot of businesses are very concerned about it. So, you know, we just have to wade through it. Uh-huh. And, and as I tell everybody, 
and, and I get calls all the time from constituents who read uh, about a bill when it's filed, and um, they never look that way when they're over or when they finally make it to the floor, mainly because people weigh in on it. And uh, so we get a lot of that. A lot of that's going on. Uh, amendments are, are to every big bill. Um, and, you know, we're starting to hear some of the, the really big bills on the floor, and they take a lot of time. Yeah. So it's just pretty hectic right now. So I'm hoping that it, with regard to the privacy bill, it was all about uh, limiting uh, Facebook and others to... Uh, to uh, but sell the information. Sell, sell our information. That's what, right. Yeah, and that's that... the intent. But unfortunately, the bill, the original bill, has gone a little too far, and so the requirements on businesses in in the in the uh, initial bill is uh, extremely burdensome. So it ju- it captures not just the big companies, but everybody. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they're all up in arms, and you know we're we're trying to address the, their concerns. Interesting. So I hope yeah. the, I hope the bill does uh, come out though at least not too too watered down so that we have the protections from the from the from mm-hmm. those uh, big tech uh, companies. Uh, the, yesterday there was a bill that was signed into law about the uh, immunity for I guess uh, for uh, business the COVID liability. Yes. Yeah that that um, that bill protects uh, businesses and healthcare workers who or healthcare facilities and workers um, from lawsuits uh, arising out of uh, you know uh, someone contracting COVID. That was a little bit controversial because the trial lawyers were, they had already started last summer doing seminars, how to sue people um, if you get COVID. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, a little cottage industry was springing up. And, you know, that's just not the right, that's not fair or right because when COVID first arose, arrived on the scene, nobody knew how to respond to it. We didn't have enough equipment. We didn't have the, the, the science. And so it, how do you hold somebody liable for, um, you know, something that they knew nothing about? Wow. So that's, the bill basically shields businesses and, and um, you know, healthcare workers and facilities unless they're negligent. I mean, you know, negligence is negligence. But just because somebody became sick mm-hmm. um, and unfortunately have passed away, that doesn't mean that the that the business or the um, the facility should be held liable for that. Yeah, so, well, so I think that's, that's, a, that's, that's a great there. decision, in my opinion. I mean, it's totally yeah. in line with the governor's point of view with regard to allowing right. each of us to make our own personal decisions. There's risk every day exactly. getting out of bed, and uh, you know, people take the risk of going to a restaurant, whatever it might be. I think they own that risk. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. So that you know, there was a nice ceremony yesterday as he signed it. Um, and uh, he had a press conference, which was, which was fun. <laughs> you know, he's he's uh, he's feisty. He had a little uh, to do with one of the reporters, which um, you know that happens because a lot of times they ask questions that are inappropriate or, or you know, misin- misinformation in the question kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, so right was, now the, the the papers are suggesting that right now it's the wealthy counties that are getting the COVID nineteen vaccines. I mean, to, you know, that can't be his decision. I, I don't know why this. Per- you know, it's uh, uh, from what I've seen, um, he they do pop up vaccines all over the state, mm-hmm. uh, and and some of the most uh, well um, used facilities are 
some of the black churches, and they, uh, they're very organized, and all over the state, they're doing pop-up vaccine sites. So I'm not sure, you know, obviously in some of the, some of the so-called wealthier communities have the higher population of older uh, people, right. and that's where we started. So, um, you know, the older folks, like when you talk about places like the villages, whether that uh, community of old people have to be uh, 55 and older. Right. So, or maybe older than that, and, and that's where we started with the the older folks. Right. So, it, I, again, I, my point being is that I, th- I think they're just looking for ways to attack the poor guy. <laughs> not, yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast, and uh, I think he's handling it <clears throat> extremely well. So, any any other good scoop? Uh, I, I could talk for hours, <laughs> but I know your time is limited, and I'm off to a, a 7.30 meeting shortly, so, um, you know, just stay tuned to see what uh, what bills are, are we have a number of important bills that um, tort reform bills that are that are being working through the system, insurance reform uh, for uh, uh, home, you know homeowners insurance because the rates are going up and we're trying to trying to look at ways to curb that. So those are the kind of things that we're doing Outstanding. Uh, right now. You know people are people are, are you know it affects people's pocketbooks. Kathleen, I just genuinely appreciate you taking time for us. I know you're off to meetings, but thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you, and have a great day. To you as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Boo Mortensen, find out what's new with Boo. Always a lighter side of the program. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show. Here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. 
We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, which we're not experiencing much of these days. But uh, right now we have with us Boo Mortensen. It's time to find out what's new with Boo right here on the Paradise Coast. Boo, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, it's my pleasure. And I have to say that I was so intrigued, interested in the size of that huge, gigantic container ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal. Isn't that interesting? Wow. I, I just thought it was just, I mean, the ship. these ships are so, they're massive beyond comprehension. You know, they're the size of skyscrapers. And uh, the fact that it got stuck, at least it wasn't, some pol- it wasn't political, it wasn't, you know, about the coronavirus was something else to fret about. Mm-hmm. So I looked, you know, how big was the ever given? Mm-hmm. To give you an idea, if you put the 20,000 containers that were on the ever given, if you put those 20,000 containers on a plane, it would take 2,547 planes. Wow. It is massive. I mean, each of those containers is a, pretty much the size of a of a box car, you know, a, a, a railroad yeah. box car. It's, a, it's it's just unbelievable that they could actually maneuver something like that. Well, of course, this particular captain. I wonder if he's going to have any repercussions from getting stuck there. I mean, like the uh, Valdez up in uh, in in uh, in Alaska. I don't know. You know, they say that it was this dust storm that kind of swept the ship sideways. Oh. You know, do you think this is his last uh, his last ride? I don't know. Probably not. It certainly disrupted shipping all over the world. It shows you how fragile that industry is. Well, that too. And I think, that, what did I hear? $400, $400 million an hour or something like that is what was costing shipping or uh, the trade that, that's going around around the world. So, and, you know, thanks for bringing that to our attention, Boo, because, it, you know, the, you're right. It's just amazing the size of these ships and, uh, you know, how they can, how they can uh, maneuver and get around and through the Suez Canal. It's pretty, pretty interesting. It's a pretty, uh, uh, you know, it's a big job for a captain. I think it would be, uh, you'd have to have a very seasoned, captain to be able to steer a ship like that the distance that it goes i don't know i I just find it you know i read a um an article about a captain's driving all the shipping up and down the mississippi Mm. and how complicated the mississippi is because you've got changing tides and sandbars Mm. that are always different month to month and how incredibly difficult it is and we spent a week on the Mississippi, traveling the Mississippi last year, and oh my heavens, I mean, there's so many ships, I mean, huge container ships and oil rigs, and oh my goodness, I, it was really, you know, it's a major shipping route in the United States. Yeah, it certainly is. That's so interesting. Did you enjoy the trip? Loved it. You did? Yeah. Did I feel like Huck, Huck Finn, sort of? Y- 
not really. You know, I tried to put myself in Huck Finn's position, but um, obviously traffic on the Mississippi is a lot different now than it was in his day and age. Yeah, no, no question about it. Which, by the way, yeah. I read uh, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn just a couple of years ago, reread it. What a great read. I mean, uh, Samuel Clemens was such a great, uh, great writer. It was just unbelievable. So yeah. uh, now, are yeah. you thinking of traveling? Right, so this is my other statistic. Mm-hmm. You know, baseball season is opening up. Yep. And I know that you just love baseball. It's true. I don't know a lot about baseball, but I read an article about how they make baseballs, mm-hmm. how they actually make the balls and the little core and, and, and how secretive it is. I did not know, well, you probably know, how many dozen balls do, does an average team use? During a game. During a game, well, I, I would guess uh, I'd give it six dozen, twelve dozen. Well, you were close, seven to ten dozen. I thought they used one ball over and over again. <laughs> you know, well, what happens is they get scuffed. Uh, the the umpire you, sometimes, if you ever watch a game, you can see the umpire look at a ball and throw it out. Because, and they'll go back and rub it up, but he he has the right to throw the ball out. Then, of course, you have home runs, foul balls. They get hit that go out of the stadium and so forth. So those, they use up a lot of balls. There's no question about it. But uh, you are right. Baseball season is starting, and they're going to have fans in the stadium. I think that's pretty darn exciting. Uh, yeah, to me, it Yeah, are you going to be one of those fans? Do you mm- go to spring training camps? Uh, now, no, well, of course, I had back surgery, so I'm limited in my mobility. But, uh, no, I didn't do any spring treating games. And, and you know what? The best seat in the house for me is at the television. Yeah. Frankly. Then you can take a nap. So are you, are you uh, it's true. <laughs> so are you, uh, are you planning any travel this year? No, no. I, you know, okay, so. That leads me to the last article that I read. You know, people are really desperate. They've been cooped up for a year. It looks like we're going to continue to be cooped up to some degree. Mm-hmm. So they did a survey to see how desperate people were to go on a trip, any kind of a trip. They surveyed 2,000 people. And out of the 2,000 people, a quarter of the consumers said that they would forfeit all of their savings if they could go on a trip. said they would give up sex for a year, and 20% said they would dump their partner. Holy moly. Yeah, and half half the people polled said they would quit their jobs to travel now. That's pretty desperate. You dump your partner, quit your job, give up sex, that's criminy. It is indeed. So uh, what, what about you? Do you have the itch to travel? Neither do I. I. I have no interest whatsoever in getting on an airplane or going anywhere right now. Uh, we do have it, the. No, it's not because I'm nervous about flying. I don't know. It just seems like we're so lucky to live in Florida. It seems like we're on vacation every day. Yeah. You can't improve perfection. That's exactly right. And you know what? With, I think the weather governor's running the state. Uh, we feel open and free here. I don't know if you've been down to Fifth Avenue South or any, to any restaurants. We went to a restaurant last night. Everybody was having a good time. Nobody was masked up, you know, all that nonsense. So uh, to, to me, I think we're feeling pretty free. Things are getting pretty open right now. Yes, you know, we've had a lot of company this 
the season, which seems bizarre. Most people are isolating, and, you know, Lauren and I are running a hotel. Um, <laughs> we've had so much company, and I have to say that people from the north, like Wisconsin, that have come down to stay here are in shock, shock at how open Florida is. It's just like it used to be, and, you know, they just can't believe open and normal, normal. Yeah, when you, was the last time we used that word? Exactly. Um, but you know what? I I believe I believe actually that if, if right now, if uh, the CDC or some credible organization were to say uh, we no longer should be concerned about the coronavirus, uh, we are the, we are totally open. That's what they said in Texas. I, he said he they opened up the state. It's been that way pretty much in Florida. I st- I still believe that more than half of the people would still be masked up and walking around in masks. Oh, yes, I do, too. I I agree. I, I think that there are people that are going to continue to wear the mask. I think for some reason it makes them feel safe. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, the minute they get rid of that mask thing, I'm burning all of mine. I, you know, <laughs> I don't like them. But I, I think that there are people that feel safer wearing a mask. I mean, when you see people wearing a mask while they're driving in their own car, yeah, that seems a little weird to me. Well, to me, I, I, and I, I've, I've said this many times on the show, and I hate to repeat myself so often, but I think the pandemic of fear is worse than the, vac- the, than the virus itself. And frankly, some people are just so fear-ridden. I had a guy, yes. I was a, the guy said, please don't get on the elevator with me. My, my goodness, are you kidding me? <laughs> Unbelievable. I know, but you know, Bob, you can't change these people's minds. Yeah. You, they're so wedded to how they think because of the fear of, of getting it, you, you can say, no matter what you say, you won't change anyone's mind. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Boo Mortensen, it's always interesting to find out what's on your mind, and uh, we know that you're not going to travel, and you had a great time going down to Mississippi. just learned a lot today, so I just genuinely appreciate you uh, you're joining us here on the show. It's p- my pleasure. Enjoy the day. You as well. Thank you, Boo. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too.
You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, I'd like you to try Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more by visiting choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden, my wife and author of Greetings from Paradise. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Seton. Tell us about less government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and in a country where 95% of the roads and thoroughfares are controlled by either local governments or private companies, we're going to spend $3 trillion at the federal level. Can you believe that, Seton? I mean, and when you take a look at what they want to spend it on, is it to improve airports, roads, Overpasses, interchanges, of course not. It's all about the Green New Deal. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's all green, it's green money because you can't have green energy without perpetual subsidies. Um, this is why, this is one of the reasons why he's attacked actual real energy is because if in a, in a, in a real marketplace, even with the subsidies, green energy is way more expensive than uh, real energy, oil, gas, etc. So he has to jack up the prices artificially with all these assaults by government, petroleum industry, try to get parity between real energy and fake energy. And so, so one, he's got to jack up the artificially jack up the prices of real energy, and he's got to further subsidize fake energy. Right. So that's what you're seeing here with this. Infrastructure bill, and so we're going to end up with these uh, windmill farms, and uh, which don't, which first of all are are bird Cuisinarts. Yes, um, <laughs> they get. I remember one, several years ago, Exxon got fined in California six million dollars for killing one golden eagle by accident. Yeah, and when every single wind farm and solar farm gets a gets a pass. On on all these environmental regulations, uh, the, the wind farms cut them up. They just the, the birds fly into the the wind farms and 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 just get shredded. Yeah. And the solar panels radiate so much heat that birds fly over them and literally just get incinerated and, and disappear. And what's going to happen to these? Uh, I mean, these wind farms. They wear out. I think the, the life expectancy is about twenty five years or so. Twenty five years. Solar panels. So what are we going to do with all of them? Oh, and that's the best. That's the that's my favorite part because now, of course, we we've been kind of dealing with them on such a small scale, relatively speaking. Mm. It's too big for itself already. But now we're pumping up all these things. 
Disposing with wind turbines and, and solar panels, you have to treat them like radioactive elements. Right. Because they're, they're so toxic when they're spent that you literally have to bury them like nuclear waste. Unbelievable. And it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars per solar panel to dispose of them. I mean, this is the dumbest... Any time a country predicates anything upon any, uh, any criterion other than excellence, you're screwing yourself. Absolutely. And, of course, we've been doing that for decades in a whole host of areas, including this fake energy energy nonsense. So, I mean, we're energy independent, so the dependent de- de- Democrats say, we've got a good idea. <laughs> let's, let's, let's put an end to that. Let's put an end to that. Let's increase the cost of energy for, uh, for the average consumer. Uh, and, oh, my gosh. And borrow- meanwhile, meanwhile, China is, is going online with hundreds of uh, additional coal-fired power plants. Exactly. And now, and, yes. you know, this uh, this shocks me. The American Petroleum Institute says, you know what? We're on board. They're waving some- the white flag. Yeah, we're it's on. Very, very, it's, it's, a, it's a bad day. Yeah, okay. Very, very bad day. They're, they're on um, board. They're supporting a carbon and energy tax. Yeah. Now, this is, of course, this is, of course, Accepting that carbon dioxide is a poison, right? Which, of course, it's not. Right. Ask any plant. <laughs> it's it's a beautiful system God set up. He, he has animals inhale oxygen and exhale carbon dioxide, right? And he has plants inhale carbon dioxide and exhale oxygen, right? It's a beautiful symbiotic relationship. It's called photosynthesis. It, well, yes, and that they inhale carbon dioxide, and now we're calling. What you know, the, the the tree huggers are calling what every tree and plant and shrub and bush on the planet inhale a poison. Right, it's just shocking, uh, Seaton. That what we're doing right now is so bizarre. I, quite frankly, am a Trump fan. Had was a Trump fan, and I think he really was working to make America great again in every way. He did. He did. And now what we're watching, we're just watching the whole thing dismantled, uh, plank by plank. Well, you know, and I'm, I'm in a real, you know, I, it has been amazing how precipitous my business has dropped since the pandemic started. I mean, it is, it is, you know, orders of magnitude smaller my business as a result of this, and you know, between that and the Biden administration, I mean, you know, you had year one, which was the pandemic, which which hurt, and then and then you have the Biden administration. It's one thing to have this anomaly happen, right? right? And then, you you know, Trump was pushing to get back to normality. Then you have the Biden administration come in, which is assaulting every single aspect of prosperity in this country. Right. And you have him yesterday come out and go, well, I'm, I'm asking all the governors and mayors and all the local officials to restore the mask mandate. Uh, we're still on the mask mandate. I still hear CDC ads, Center for Disease Control ads, telling us to space ourselves six feet apart when they came out a month ago and said, oh, we were wrong, it's three feet. Yeah, no, no, you're exactly right. I mean, they're throwing darts at a, char- at a dartboard and picking policy. They're changing it all the time. And it's all predicated upon screwing up the private sector. And that's what the Biden administration is trying to do. Well, I think the the ultimate goal is to get as many people, uh, close down small businesses, get as many people on the dole as possible. Make the, well, it's, it's a twofer. 
They want more people on the dole, which means, because small business, of course, is, the, is, the, is far and away the largest employer in this country. Right. So by shutting down hundreds of thousands, millions at this point of small businesses in this country, the only ones left are, gee, the big tech companies that are spending billions of right. dollars uh, uh, getting Democrats elected. Uh, Amazon loves seeing thousands of small businesses go out of business. Right. Um, Facebook loves seeing you locked in your house where all you can do is go online and stare at their stupid website. Well, how about the American Petroleum Institute loves seeing these smaller energy companies being closed down and supports the big guys. Uh, and that, that, that Yeah, this is a little, no, that's a little different, though, because the petroleum industry relies so much on small businesses. For example, like, like there's these, there are these little lube companies that, that, that make uh, industrial lubricate, lubricants for the, for the, for the uh, drills. Mm-hmm. And, and the uh, fracking materials. They're, they're not made by giant companies. They're made by small companies. Right. So they, they, don't, they don't really, there, there aren't really any small energy companies per se. That, that is a really intricate network of small and large companies that all rely on, upon one another. So they're not benefiting the way Amazon is, for example, or Facebook and Twitter are, for example, mm. from the shutdown. They're waving the white flag. Because they're, I think they've just said, we've lost this argument. Now we're trying to, you know, sue for peace and sue for ter- better terms. You know what? And as we know from the left, you can't ever, they never stop pushing. That's right. You know, you, you cut a deal with them. You know, my, I ran a uh, campaign for a county judge in Austin, Texas in 2002. He had a great line. If you're going to feed that alligator, you best use a long-handled spoon. Exactly. Because <laughs> he's eventually going to eat your arm too, and and that's they're cutting a deal. I think it's terrible yeah. policy um, to accept that the carbon dioxide. First of all, it's bad science. Carbon dioxide is not a poison. Right. Second of all, you're acquiescing on the on the single question. Now everything they come after you for is is related to your stupid acquiescence on the big question. That's right. So you have no grounds to say no to anything in the future that's going to be asked of you or demanded of you. So, Seton, you, had, you wrote a great column this week. You can find it on Red State. It's called, Of Course More uh, for Government Means Less for Us. I hope our readers will take a look at it. It's really interesting. Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. Visit lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, I always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. She is the author of Greetings from Paradise. You can find each of her columns on my website under the uh, heading Greetings from Paradise. We have to see what's on her mind. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Linda Harden. She writes Greetings from Paradise. You can find, as I mentioned, all of her columns on my website under the heading Greetings from Paradise. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. So, hey, we haven't, today on the show, we haven't talked about what's going on on the border. And if I read things correctly, I, it, it sounds like the president's saying, well, uh, we're going to let our vice president handle that, uh, Kent Kamala. Cackle. Kamala, what a cackle. We're going to let her handle <laughs> Cackle's a good name for her. Uh, let her handle it. And now she's saying, are you going there? And she says, not today, cackle, cackle, cackle. Stand and now she's saying she's not going to do it. I wonder if there's a rift between the president and the vice president. I just think they have no, I don't think they have the foggiest notion what they're doing. And, and this is, uh, Lindsey Graham was on um, Sean Hannity last night saying that this is just, this is just mushrooming into a huge, huge, huge uh, cover up and scandal. Plus, by the way, um, it's interesting that Biden got on camera yesterday with Harris right next to him, just about. And, and said, oh, well, we need to, with all these states uh, that have reopened and ditched the mask mandate and whatever, everybody needs to go back to masks, masks again. But yet they're letting all these people in yeah. that have the coronavirus, no testing, no whatsoever. It's, it is the most outrageous scandal right yeah, now. A scandal is what it is. I mean, I, I think, quite frankly, the president's agenda is uh, to bring these to allow these people to come in. I think that's part of the plan is to allow all these uh, people to come in. And uh, I think he's needs to be concerned about public opinion, but it does it's not driving his decision making because he's he's going to do what he's going to do, which is basically uh, continue this process. I don't think he's being told the correct numbers 
of public opinion. I think he's being lied to because he's too stupid to, to, or too dense to go through and find the numbers for himself. Seriously, because he, on, on his little presser last week, he's saying, oh, well, the public loves what I'm doing. No, they don't. Yeah. So I think he's just being fed these numbers. Uh, it could be, but uh, anyhow, I, my, my point of view is that uh, uh, he's you know, saying basically, look, we're just going to have to uh, tolerate this, the uh, feedback and the anger about this because uh, we're going to go ahead and allow this to happen. Just like, uh, by the way, uh, Obama did. Well, that was his name, right? Obama? <laughs> yeah. Well, some of, the, some of the news people are now just by a serendipity calling him O'Biden. Oh, yeah, no question about it because they do have frequent phone calls. makes me wonder perhaps uh, if the president's not, uh, the former president's not calling uh, the shots. Speaking of, uh, speaking of um, former presidents, um, Trump was at Mar-a-Lago the other night and absolutely lit up. He crashed a wedding. He was all he was at another function in his tuxedo and there's a film clip of him absolutely blasting uh Biden, Harris, and and Dr. Flip Flop Fauci. Fauci, yeah. I mean But you wanna know what's on my mind? This has been on my mind ever since I listened to Steve Bannon's show yesterday morning when when um, they focused on Fauci's and Deborah Burke's appearance on CNN, and in, oh, 60 Minutes, I think it was, on Sunday. And Fauci said, oh, well, it, it, I was so glad to be able to have, a, have started a vaccine in January 10th, right. 2020. Yeah. And, and, uh, this man is lying through his teeth every time he opens his mouth. Well, uh, the former president, Donald Trump, really took to task Deborah Burks as well as uh, Fauci for these misstatements, let's call them, but uh, because that's tr absolutely a lie. The president is the one that was responsible for uh, the vaccine coming out and, and getting it done as quickly as, as it was done. Not only that, but, but Fauci said in public, in the White House briefing room, there is no way a vaccine can get even close to being distributed distributed until the fall of 2021. Yeah. Where was his vaccine? Yeah. That he that he promoted. I I can't believe that these people think this public are so stupid that they're just going to come out and and change their stories every which way to Sunday. Yeah. So the president said that they're trying to reinvent history. And uh, I'm not sure that I'm in favor of uh, the president speaking out against these folks. Maybe he, he he really took them to task. He certainly has a right to do that. But, uh, you know, I think everybody understands, or at least I believe that Fauci is uh, not telling the truth and ha hasn't for a long time. I don't blame Trump one little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, if he, if they're going to demonize what he's done and say... Deborah Burke said, oh, they had this, this disturbing conversation. Mm -hmm. And even Mark Meadows was on Steve Bannon's yesterday and said, there was nothing uh, disturbing. She wanted, she wanted to shut down the schools even more. And, and she said um, that Trump pushed back on it. Well, thank, thanks for clarifying that. I wasn't aware of that. that, that I also said, Mark Meadows said yesterday, I, I read that... Uh, uh, Fauci said early on, back way back when the pandemic first started, that masks don't work and we shouldn't have masks. Uh, we don't need masks. It had nothing to do with a shortage of masks. He basically said masks are not going to provide any value at all. 
And you know what? All the statistics right now demonstrate that, that they don't provide value. I think I read one study, major study, that said perhaps it would have reduced, that uh, wearing masks may have reduced uh, the number of cases by 2%. Oh, well, by the way, I read somewhere um, from a knowledgeable source, a, a medical professional that said that not only do masks don't work, but they uh, limit, we know they limit your breathing um, air, and it, and it, Adds acidity to your system and can cause cancer because you're not and you're not um, breathing uh, appropriately. I'm, you know, certainly the unintended consequences are there. Well, to me, it's just very sad right now. This is a real slog to watch. Uh, this president and his administration taking apart the the uh, what what Trump built plank by plank. It's really disturbing, and yet I don't think there's. Uh, do you see a way to stop this? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I just, you know, Trump just uh, started this new um, website. I wish I br- would have brought the name in with me, but... Um, Frank, he, isn't it called no, Frank? No, 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 no. That's Mike Lindell's. Oh. That's my, Mike Lindell's social oh. media platform. By the way, he's, he's, his new website is going to be up soon, but he is on the warpath. Yeah, yeah. He is on the warpath. But no, Trump's, Trump's going to do his own thing. And you know what? Why wouldn't he? I mean, he's, he's not going to sit by and let these people in the White House right now destroy this country. Um, it, it's, it's just so disturbing. It's well, so disturbing. And by the way, if anybody comes up to me um, without, when I'm not wearing a mask, which I w- will never do, and says, why aren't you wearing a mask, blah, 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 I'm going to go, you know what? I'm an illegal alien. I just came over from Mexico. I don't need a mask or test. <laughs> or test, right? Yeah. Uh, well, my comment would be, hey, I'm minding my business. Whose business are you minding? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Linda, I just appreciate your commentary. To me, it's just, it, I think it's so important right now. Uh, I quite frankly, my personal opinion, I wish the president of the United States would file a case in mean, federal court. You mean the Trumpster? Trumpster. File a case in, in uh, federal court. Uh, to overturn the election. I think he has the power and he has the numbers and the receipts to make it happen. Guess who's doing it? Guess who's, guess who's got the receipts? Mike Lindell. Yeah. He, by the way, he's supposed to be on Steve Bannon, um, I think, later part of this week. He has a whistleblower from Dominion Voting Systems. Yeah, unbelievable. Linda, just appreciate you being on the show. Thanks so much. I don't have enough time. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, tomorrow we have great guests, including Bob Levy, the chairman of the Cato Institute. Uh, we'll visit with Andy Joppa. He's professor and author of Josepha Savaz. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and uh, author of so many great books. He'll be with us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Bob Harden at hotmail. Uh, dot com. Also, if you want to be on the distribution list for the newsletter that I send out, uh, com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>